Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all. It's good to see you and to welcome those who are here in the sanctuary and those who are joining us online. A welcome to those who are visitors to the church and welcome to David Barr, who is with us today. And I'll say more about David shortly. Let us worship God. We sing to his praise and glory, hymn 290, hymn 290, the race that long in darkness pined. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your goodness to us and for the privilege of being able to call upon you, the one who reigns in glory, yet who dwells among the humble. Almighty God, we thank you for Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and the one through whom you have spoken to us giving joy in place of sorrow and hope where there is despair. Gracious God, as we continue our Advent journey, we praise you that in fulfillment of your eternal purpose, you entered this world in Christ, and we rejoice that in and through him, your glorious light has penetrated the darkness and encouraged us to look to a new day, the glorious day of the Lord. Loving God, even as we speak your praise, we are mindful that at times we can lose our sense of anticipation. We resign ourselves to the way that things are. And selfishly, we put our own interests before those of others. Lord God, you have come to us, and you will come again. Forgive us our sins, and fill us with joy in believing that embracing anew the true message of Christmas, we may walk in the light and give our all in the service of the One, born a child, and yet a king. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name, and as the one people, we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A big thank you to all those who brought gifts to the church last Sunday. These have been taken to the Salvation Army, and I'm sure will make Christmas even more special for boys and girls and teenagers in the district. So thank you, everyone who brought along a gift. There'll be a carol service in the Holyrood Viewfield Church this evening at half past six. That's the new name for what was the Church of the Holyrood. Holyrood and Viewfield Erskine have united. They're still worshipping in the two buildings, but the congregation's Holyrood Viewfield and will be in the former Church of the Holyrood this evening at half past six for lessons and carols. All will be very welcome, and tea, coffee, and mince pies will be served at the close of that service. So please do come along if you can. A busy week, a great week of services this week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, carol singing at half past two. Monday, Rosley Court Care Home. Tuesday, Westerlands. Wednesday, Echoes Court. It would be lovely if some people could come along to help with the singing. And if you're able to do so, if you would meet with me in the McMichael Chapel after the service today, that would be great. So that's the carol services this week. And then <clears throat> there are two school services in the church, one on Thursday at 10 o'clock, Borstone Primary School, and one on Friday at 10, St. Ninian's Primary School. I hope the weather will be reasonable so that the children and the teachers and others can get to the church dry. And then a week today, of course, is Christmas Eve, when there'll be a family service here at half past ten, followed by a time of fellowship in the hall, all welcome, and then the traditional watch night service at half past eleven. And finally, the flower calendar for 2024 is now in the main vestibule of the church. If you would like to gift flowers to the church, please put your name and contact details against the Sunday of your choice. And many thanks to those who give flowers to the church throughout the year. They not only enhance the sanctuary, but are very much appreciated by those who receive them afterwards. So thank you all. Before I say anything about this young man who's with us today, this is, what Sunday is this in Advent? Is it the first? Yes, Gregor? It's the 17th of December. What Sunday do you think that might make it in Advent? There are four Sundays in Advent. What one do you think this is, Charlie? Well done. This is the third Sunday in Advent. And that means we have got to do something. What do we have to do? Yes, we have to light the Advent candle. Would the young people like to come out to the front? Would you like to come out to the front? Out you come. That's great. Out you come. It's good to, to see you and to welcome you. Now, this is quite a busy time, and I know it's not only busy for grown-ups, but for young people as well, isn't it? What all's happening this now? Are things happening at school? Parties? Oh, you've got a party tomorrow. Great stuff. So there's school parties, concerts, 
Christmas parties, and there's the concerts some have been, haven't they? And then there's the school service, which will just be great altogether. I'm looking forward to that too. Now, Christmas is a wonderful time. It's a great time for parties and concerts. But sometimes people forget what Christmas is really about. What is it about? The birth of Jesus. You know, that is wonderful, Gregor. And I think if all of us in this coming week were to say to all those that we meet, do you know what Christmas really is about? We were told by Gregor on Sunday in the Sunday club and at church, it's about the birth of Jesus. And you know this, it's only when we remember that that Christmas is really special. It really is the wonderful time that it is. Now, today, we're going to light the third Advent candle. Would you like to light it? Well, since you answered that question so well about Christmas, I think you should light it. (laughs) But before you do, do you know... Now, this is a difficult question. The third candle stands for something. A wonder. What is the opposite of being sad? Happy. 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 And the Christian church would maybe use another word, something other than happy. We would speak of three letters. (laughs) Begins with Jai. Or J, O, Y, (laughs) joy, absolutely. This is the candle of joy. And joy is at the heart of the Christmas message because do you remember the words of the angels to the shepherds at the first Christmas? Do not be afraid, I bring you tidings of great joy. So, Gregor, come and we'll light this third Advent candle. So, we light that one there. Well done. And then you want to light that one? Thank you very much. Oh, look. The one time I didn't say to you, you turned the other way. So, I think you better do it again. Will that be all right? And then you can turn. I think you're just what you blew out that candle, weren't you? <laughs> what about facing that? Oh. Well done. And it's gone out by itself. There you Well done. Big round of applause for Gregor <laughs> and the children. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can go back to your seat. Now, you might be wondering who this is. If you've read the parishioner, you will know who it is. This is David. David Barr. And David is exploring the possibility that God might be wanting him to work full-time within the church. And David has embarked on what is called a period of discernment. For six months, he's got to meet with me regularly, poor soul. (laughs) (laughs) And you will see him here, not every Sunday, but from time to time. And he'll also come along maybe to a meeting of the Kirk Session and the Boys' Brigade and other groups within the church family. And it's really to give David the opportunity to find out more about what being a minister involves. I hope I don't put you off, David. (laughs) But I'm glad to say I enjoy it very much, so hopefully that will rub off on you. But I thought in order for us to get to know David, 
I would ask him just a few questions. Would that be all right, David? Okay. Are you switched on? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah? Right. Come up and stand here. Now let the people see you. <clears throat> now, first question. Tell us a wee bit about yourself. Good morning, everyone. As you already know, my name is David Barr, and I may not look it, but I am only 24 years old. I come from Hamilton, where I stayed up to my late teens, which is when I moved to Flynn with my wife, Caroline. I have three children, Kyle, Scott, and Lily, and I pride myself in saying, like a father should, they are the joy, the joy in my life. My wife, Caroline, and I are recently married in September, and looking forward to enjoying our first Christmas as a married couple. From a church background, I am not one of the few typical young men who were raised in the church. However, my involvement into the church family was self-inflicted at the age of 14. Through years, through years on long and short story, I have attended a couple of churches from different Protestant denominations, settling in at home in Flynn Parish Church. Gracefully, I have recently accepted the offer to become an elder in Flynn, which I'm sure is a massive achieve achievement since I wasn't brought up there. But they must want a bit of Glaswegian in their meetings. <laughs> My main hobby, when I find the time to follow, is fly fishing and fly tying. One of the best self-reflections you can have is sitting at the side of the River Clyde with a coffee in hand, a fly rod in the other, waiting on that precious rise, well, sitting there right enough, my other friends are posting on their Facebook feeds about being at certain football stadiums on a Saturday afternoon. So maybe that explains a bit about me too. They're at the football, but I'm at the river. I pride myself as being an understanding and approachable person. Yet I do admit I have the tolerance of not being the most patient. Admitting that is the first step in working on it. But in my professional career, I've been a salesman since school. From fly fishing products to Scottish power, eventually sitting in the family business of blinds, curtains and soft furnishings. However, now through self-reflection and a calling from God, I seek to indulge myself into the work and into the life of the church to serve. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> now, tell me, what has made you think that God might be calling you to the ministry. Is there anything in particular that has made you think that this is something to consider? Well, full-time service within the church, as you can imagine, is something I've been constantly reflecting on, personally and as a family. However, a call to preach and offer some form of commitment to the church, I, have, I believe, has always been an idea I've had since my first years in membership. Through time, I somewhat found myself in pastoral and, dare I say, awkward and sometimes confidential personal situations which support, guidance, strength and encouragement from another has been asked of me. Yet another side of the chain, I've always felt this calling of answers, this help and this guidance. The ability and the courage to proceed into such situations. <clears throat> Through the years, God has spoken to me to serve our church he has drawn me to the Church of Scotland, the National Church, and has given me a sense of ability to serve him and for him. Through the years, his calling has got stronger, reaching a climax last November that his channel must be pursued. Full-time service within the church isn't something I have had to consider if it's for me. God, I believe, has called me and is guiding me into this path. There is no other option, I believe, for my future and for my family. My life is dedicated to the Lord, to his Son, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, David. Finally, what do you hope to achieve during this six-month period of discernment? The period of discernment is certainly <coughs> a tricky one. There are so many different areas I could pursue in this period of discernment. We've spoke about it in length. On one hand, I could view the discernment process as being one big, long interview for a job. And at the end, you might just not be good enough to do it. Believe me, the nerves are still sitting on that. However, after meeting Gary properly last week, and after a meeting with my presbytery assessor last Friday, I have come to the conclusion of what my hopes are for the period of discernment. 
Now for Gary, for the Reverend Lynn McCleary, and for all you, the congregation, some may rightly view it as what I've just said, the big long interview. However, I feel it is my calling to learn. I just want to learn the best way to serve God and his people in all such situations, in greatness and prosperity, and in the sad and lonesome days. I am extremely excited to be allocated to your parish and to your minister to learn and be an understudy as such to the amazing work done by this congregation. My period of discernment certainly isn't for sitting back in the back row of the church listening to Gary once a month and ticking a sheet. I feel my period of discernment is one of the many challenges and speculations I will have to overcome in my journey to serve. I feel I am already serving God now by going through my period of discernment. I would just like to learn, express, conduct, preach and prove myself that this is the road I should be taking. Yet though this period I want to learn, but I also want to show some form of ability, not just to Gary or to Lynn, to you the congregation, but also to the one that's leading me down this path. God in all his forms, I pray through my discernment process, my relationship grows further with him and his son Jesus Christ, as believe me, I make a commitment here today that I will try my very best. Thank you very much, David. Well, David. <laughs> we're delighted to, to have you with us, and we do pray that the way ahead will become clear to you and to the church in this period of discernment. And we pray God's blessing on you and on your family as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now we're going to sing 282, hymn 282. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Verses 1, 2, and 3 of hymn 282. Christmas is coming. The church is glad to sing. Verses 1 to 3 of hymn 282. Today's first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11. You'll find it on page 621 in the Pew Bible. Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, 
and release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And from verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples, all who see them, will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden cause seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The second reading comes from the New Testament, John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 and 19 to 28, and will be found on page 78 in the Pew Bible. John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. From verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one, one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. We worship God in the hymn 475, hymn 475, Christ is Coming.
Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord God, in awe and wonder, we hear the Advent trumpet, and we marvel that you took flesh and came to earth to walk among us. Once we were not a people, but now we are your people, a people called out of darkness into your marvellous light. Lord Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, pointed to you as the one long expected. Your word speaks of good news for the poor and liberty for those held captive. Yet day after day we hear stories of poverty and sickness, of sorrow and suffering, of injustice and oppression. May your light shine wherever there is darkness, and may these days see an increase in peace and goodwill. Lord God, author of life and love, we pray for all going through a difficult time, for those whose loneliness is heightened in this season, for those who are anxious about their health or the health of a loved one, for those who are sick in hospital, in hospice or at home. And in our prayers we remember those who grieve, praying as we do for the family and friends of Jack Brown. Gracious God, be to all who are in our thoughts. May they know your comfort and your care. Loving God, as we prepare to celebrate again your coming to us, we pray that the good news of the gospel might touch the hearts of all people, that amidst the business and activities of this week, many might come to know your love, a love that will ultimately triumph over all that is wrong, and a love that gives joy to a tired and weary world. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. <clears throat> we sing the hymn 472, hymn 472, Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus.
a number of the readings associated with Advent are in some ways quite somber and heavy. We read, for example, about tenants suddenly being caught out by the unexpected appearance of their landlord, and of a day of judgment when the sheep will finally and forever be separated from the goats, and we won't dwell on what will happen to the goats. There's not much here we might think to lift our spirits or to cheer us in these dark days of winter. But today, on this the third Sunday of Advent, there is a change. The warnings turn into promises as we read of a year of the Lord's favor, of those who are displaced being assured that one day they will return home. And there's talk too of plants bursting into flower. Isn't that something to hold on to? There is, of course, a place for both warning and promise. But today is a day when the keynote is joy. And I'm sure we welcome that. And yet, the question has to be asked, is joy, Christian joy, what we feel at this time? Indeed, is there not a sense in which our mood is more in line with the other messages of Advent, messages that are more somber and heavy. The dark days of winter can, in some cases, cause a drop in our energy levels. I'm sure you experience that. I know I certainly do. If there's something that I've got to write or prepare, let's get it done in the morning or the afternoon before the darkness descends. This is a time when perhaps we find it more difficult to motivate ourselves to do things. And if you're like me, well, a night in front of the fire can be more appealing than going out into the dark. But I will go to the lessons and carols this evening. <laughs> but add to all this concerns about the world, the lack of peace, not least in Israel and Palestine, how we've got to pray for lasting peace there, not a temporary peace, but for lasting peace. But the situation there causes us great anxiety. And we've got to remember there's so many wars raging in other parts of the world too. And we remember still the people of Ukraine. And what about the plight of refugees? There's so much that I could say. Time doesn't allow. But I just pray that people in positions of responsibility and others would remember that the vast majority of those crossing the channel in small boats 
are good people. Men and women, boys and girls escaping from tyranny. They have got hearts to be loved. They've got stories to tell. They're not just numbers. And what about the climate? The concern about the climate today is very real. And therefore, given the darkness of these days and so much that's happening that could cause us to feel down, we can understand why many, even within the Christian family, are not feeling joyful, but instead are low in spirit. And yet, in the passage we read from Isaiah, a wonderful, wonderful prophet, we find the people of Israel are broken-hearted. That as a result of their wrongdoing. Instead of placing their trust in God, they had become entangled in political struggles for power and what a price they had to pay. Their cities had been destroyed. The great temple in Jerusalem was demolished. And they had been taken into captivity in Babylon. Thus they were without status or rights. Theirs was an altogether desperate situation with many giving up hope of ever seeing their homeland again. But then, into the darkness, the voice of God was heard. And as a result, Hope began to rise once more. A new covenant will be established. That which was broken will be restored. Those who are hurting will be healed. Buildings long in ruins will be rebuilt. And God's people will be delivered. Can you put yourselves into the position of the people of Israel at that time and imagining the impact of those words upon them at that time? Here, in the midst of the darkness and the sorrow, was good news. And it wasn't what they expected. They had wandered from God. They deserved His wrath. But no, there is here good news. These words inspired the people. Their mindset was changed. And though they were still in captivity they no longer allowed their circumstances to rob them of their joy. It was a joy rooted not in where they were, but in God and in His goodness and His faithfulness. A new and brighter day would dawn. It was not yet here. But that day would come. And that knowledge alone spurred the people on. I wonder, do these ancient words of the prophet Isaiah 
speak to you and to me and to the people of God today. Let's be honest. We all have our own hopes and fears. Though we have found the light that cannot be overpowered by the darkness, we know what it is to be worried, to be concerned, to be weighed down, to be held captive. My friends, the good news is for you and me and the people of God today. Despite all that we might do that grieves God, His love is such He comes to us in Jesus Christ. He seeks us out. And He calls us to himself. In today's gospel, we are introduced to John the Baptist, a very intriguing and interesting individual. Now, I imagine if you were to walk through the center of Stirling, busy doing your shopping and what have you, and there was someone like John the Baptist standing and preaching forth, you would say, well, give him a miss. Dressed in camel clothing, a diet of locusts and wild honey, I could settle for the honey. (laughs) But if we were to meet him today and hear him, we would say, this is not for us. And yet, what are we told? The gospel tells us. The people came to John from the villages and the towns and all the surrounding area because there was something in his message, in what he said, that resonated with the people. And many people think it was a message of judgment, and yes, there is a sense in which there is that word of judgment. But there is also a word of hope, a word of great joy. The people came. The Word spoke to them. Now, this caused suspicion among the priests and the Levites. Who is this? And they sent a deputation to John to ask him who he was. Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you one of the prophets from of old? And John said, no. I'm not. He had come from God, sent by God. And his task was to point away from himself and to the one who was in their midst, even though they did not recognize him. My friends, there's something here for us today. For Jesus Christ is with us still. He is here in the world. He is here in the parliaments. He is in humble homes. He is in our villages, towns, and cities. He is in the boats crossing the channel. He is with us. And just as John 
pointed away from himself to Jesus. That is what we have to do today. And how great the need is for that. There is in a pulpit in the Highlands words that only the preacher can see. And when the preacher sits down before rising to give the sermon, your words are drawn, your eyes are drawn to the word. Sir, we would see Jesus. But that's the task not only of the preacher. That's the task of each and every one of us. How do we do that? It is by seeking to follow Jesus Christ day in and day out. It is by allowing the Holy Spirit of God to come and dwell within us. It is by allowing Jesus to speak through us to all those we meet. Sir, we would see Jesus. I don't tend to watch soaps on television. I find them rather depressing, if the truth be told. But the other evening I happened to be on the television and it was an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> Not very cheery. However, there was this woman with a wee child and she went up to this other person and she said, do you know where I can take the child to see Santa? She said, we went along to a church. Santa wasn't there. It was just all that religious stuff. What has that got to do with Christmas? I laughed. And then I thought, that's pretty true. That's what a lot of folk think. What has all that religious stuff got to do with Christmas? We know the answer. What makes Christmas? Gregor told us earlier, the birth of Jesus. Good news. News of great joy for all the people. May we know that joy at Christmas and forevermore. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Before our final hymn, let's just take a moment in the quiet to reflect on God and His goodness to us and our hopes and our prayers for this Christmas. Amen. We sing the hymn 283, our closing hymn to the tune Woodlands, hymn 283, the voice of God goes out to all the world.
in joy, go in peace, go in love, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you now and forevermore.